But really, truly, the only thing that we actually have at the end of the day, without a doubt, without fail, is ourselves. You're listening to Wild Creative, a podcast designed to inspire creative thought, enhance your artistic process, and excavate enriched understandings about art, culture, and yourself. I'm your host, Emma Kivetna, a creativity coach, artist, entrepreneur, and Sagittarius. I am joining you today from the traditional territories of the Mi'kmaq people in Nova Scotia, Canada. Without further ado, let's explore the wild creative. Hello, hello. Welcome to today's episode. Last time I talked about how self-knowledge is the ultimate form of creative expression, at least in my opinion. And I talked a little bit about why it's important to know yourself when you're an artist in order to be authentic and to be aligned, but I didn't really talk about ways in which to do that. So today I wanted to talk about some creative ways that you can use to help yourself to get to know yourself better. First, one I want to talk about is utilizing astrology and other alternative systems. So although I am a very scientific, logical, thinking-based type of person, I was even almost going to go into the sciences when I was at university, I have also always been a lover of all things new age and witchy since I was a teen. I first read tarot when I was 14 and I still use tarot to this day. But there's a big gap in my late teens and most of my 20s where I didn't engage with or even think about anything new age or occult related outside of tarot, such as things like the witch archetype or spirituality or even meditation hardly. I think it was because I just didn't believe at the time that it was useful to me. I saw it more so as an interest and not a belief or a guidance system that I would adopt in the way others have. I guess with my sciencey upbringing, I just figured it had no place in my life. In 2020, though, I picked up, quite by chance, this witchy magazine at the grocery store in the book and magazine aisle, which I hardly ever go down except to just see what they have sometimes. And so one day I did that, and there it was. Reading that magazine refueled my interest in the occult and new age spirituality, and it reminded me that Oh yeah, this method of thinking and this way of being actually really speaks to me. And I haven't really thought about that since I was like 16. So I began looking into these things again. These things that I had always felt drawn to but had been lying dormant in me for 10 plus years. I started reading all about how feminism and the witch archetype are related. I started listening to witchy and occult podcasts and I looked up my natal chart and my human design. I already knew my Myers-Briggs personality type, which is INTJ, by the way. My tarot reader that I go to, she looked at my astrocartography charts the last time we met. And I've been seeing her about every 6 to 12 months for the past two years, which I know isn't a long time really, but every time I go to her, it's always so enlightening and re-energizing and grounding. And she uses a lot of these same things that I'm going to get into. I really got to say, getting back into this type of spirituality and self-awareness really was a missing piece for me. I have learned more about myself in the past two years than I have in the previous 26 years before that. And these methods are available to anyone. They don't discriminate. 
You don't have to follow some sort of religion in order to engage with them. Anyone can do it. Anyone can learn from them, even if you don't believe in them. So I want to go through some of the more alternative ways that you can get to know yourself. I'm not going to go into too much detail about each of them in terms of explaining them or how they work because there's tons of information and people online who do a much better job at that than me. So I'm just going to kind of run through these. So one way is looking up your natal chart. For this and most of the things I'm going to mention actually, you will need your date of birth and time of birth. If you call the hospital where you're born, they should be able to tell you that or sometimes it's written on your birth certificate. If you don't have your time of birth, you can still just use your birthday, but there are some things that your chart won't be able to tell you without the time. Then you just head to the link that I have in the show notes and you put the information in and it will give you your natal chart, which has all your information on it. There's a bunch of info you can read underneath of it, but if you want further help deciphering it, I highly suggest booking a reading with a tarot reader of your choice and showing them your chart and seeing what they say about it. If you haven't already taken the Myers-Briggs test, you should do it. It's one of the most common tests and it really can illuminate a lot about yourself. Another test you can take is the Enneagram test. Many of us have heard of that one before too, and if you haven't, please do look it up more to see if it's something that you'd like to try out. Take the Dharma test. This one is a brand new one for me. I just did this a few weeks ago. I actually found it totally by chance from a podcast I was listening to. The guest on the podcast, Sahara Rose, was talking about Dharma, which means life purpose, and how she she was talking about how she made a little Dharma archetype quiz to help people figure this out. I was honestly a bit skeptical about this one because I had never heard of it before and I kind of thought, oh, it'll just be like a gimmicky sort of thing, but it wasn't. I was actually shocked at how accurate it was for me. My primary dharma that I got was artist and my secondary one was researcher. Reading the descriptions for both of those was really enlightening for me because I was going through a period of identity crisis at that time, actually. And I had this like analysis paralysis and I was kind of shutting down in terms of actions that I wanted and needed to take in my life. So it was helpful and encouraging to see someone else's words describing these big parts of me that I had kind of forgotten about or hadn't really put words to before. Another one you can try is looking up your human design, or you can get a reputable tarot reader to do this for you as well if you want help with it. My numbers are 4-6, which is the opportunistic role model, and I'm a manifesting generator, which basically means I come up with ideas and I'm usually the one to execute them, rather than hire other people to do it for me or like run a team of people or something like that. If you're thinking, there can only be so many combinations for this stuff though, so isn't it kind of just like putting people into a box? What if they aren't those things that the tests say? Isn't it kind of limiting to put a label on people? Well, there are actually many, many possible combinations for the types of people out there. I'm talking like billions of possibilities, maybe even more. I haven't done the math on it exactly, like in terms of like, for instance, the possible combinations for natal charts, but I'm sure somebody has done the math. So if you feel that by doing any of these tests or quizzes that you might be putting yourself into a box and it's not unique and it's too limiting to say, oh, this quiz says that I'm X, so that means I can only ever do A, B, C, just know that there are so many combinations and possibilities to the point where you will probably never meet someone who has the exact same natal chart as you or the exact same human design profile. 
So you aren't limiting yourself by any means. Actually, I would argue that you're expanding yourself because you're learning about yourself. And all these tests and quizzes really are are just patterns. Patterns do get repeated, yes, but there are so many different types of patterns among people and finding out which one you are can help identify your strengths, your weaknesses, abilities. It helps give you direction and some clarity as well. In fact, by doing these types of quizzes and tests, in fact, by doing these types of tests and quizzes, you may notice that there are already patterns in your life that support the answers that you get from them. You'll start to notice these little synchronicities or you'll remember things from your past that just click into place like, oh, that's why I hated that teaching job because it's not in my nature to teach. Or, oh, that's why I was always so drawn to XYZ. It all lines up. Like, it really will start to bring to the surface things in your life that you already knew were there, but there was no through, through line between them all. One thing I want to say about these tests, if you're hesitant about them still, is that you don't have to believe in any of these things. You don't even have to have faith for them to work. It All you have to have is an open mind. That's it. Be open to the fact that this information may tell you lots about yourself that you hadn't thought about or noticed before. Be open to the fact that it isn't scientific in the factual sense, and that's okay. What does it matter where helpful, useful information comes from? If it helps you figure some shit out, or it helps you through something, or helps you heal, who cares where it came from? If it's harmless and helpful, who cares? So just be open to it. As I said in the previous episode, you don't know what you don't know. And how can you judge something that you don't know yet? So just try it out. You really have nothing to lose. All the links to these quizzes and things that I mentioned are in the show notes. All right, method number two for getting to know yourself better is journaling. And I'm not talking about keeping a diary. A diary is more so about recording and tracking daily events. Journaling is much deeper than that. A diary is more concerned with the who, what, and the when. Journaling is concerned with the why and the how, the the under-the-surface stuff. Sure, you can talk about what happened today with your journaling, but true journaling takes things a step further by hitting the pause button on the day's events and going inward to your thoughts, your feelings, your memories, your musings, your anger, your hurt, your grief, confusion, frustration, epiphanies, your your reasoning about something, your remembrance about what happened that day. Journaling involves self-reflection, analyzing people and places and things around you, as well as an analysis of yourself. Journaling involves questioning, investigating, and focusing on the why and the how. And take it from me, I am the queen of journaling. I have kept a journal since I was like seven or eight, and I've kept all of them. So I have about 30 some odd journals and notebooks that are full. Well, some of them aren't because I haven't gotten around to using them yet, because of course I buy journals faster than I fill them, but I do fill them. No one's ever read them, no one's ever allowed to read them, at least not while I'm alive. That would be too much information for them, definitely. This is why we can't read each other's minds, because that would be an absolutely awful thing if we had to access to every single little thought that goes on in someone's head. So you might be thinking, okay, well then what's the point? What's the point in having a journal if no one's ever going to read it, or I can't publish it, or I'm not going to publish it, or like what's the point in having it then? Well, the point is free therapy. The point is healing. The point is to not make yourself crazy. 
The point is to process things, at least for me. This is what journaling does for me. It, it allows me to process things and to think them through and react to them at my pace and figure out what actions to take. I am such a journal freak that I have a journal for different things in my life. I have a journal for updating things about my life, like, like life events and that sort of thing. I have a journal for writing. I call it meta writing because it's a journal where I write about my writing. So if I'm stuck on a project or struggling with my writing in any way, I journal about it. And I cannot tell you how many epiphanies I have had just from meta writing. I also have a journal for doing tarot readings where I record the reading and I write like a little reflective entry on it. I have a journal that I use kind of as a notebook for poetry where I handwrite all my poetry and songs in it. And then when they're ready, I type them up and edit them. Now, you don't have to go crazy with the journaling like I do. You can just have one journal if you want. But whatever you decide, please do try it out. It is a great way to get deeper within yourself and your life. And in the process, learn more about who you are and the way you think and the way you react. Some tips for keeping a journal. If you can, always handwrite in your journal. Find a quiet place, set aside an hour, and just be in your thoughts and write what's there. Write about what's on your mind, write all the nasty shit that you want to say but can't. It could be anything, so just get it all out because you know that there's something you've been thinking about a lot lately or someone. You know something's bothering you, something doesn't feel right. So when you're journaling, the point is to not ignore those things. The point is to go towards them on the page but without any sort of agenda. Another tip is to not give a shit whatsoever about the quality of writing on the page. This is really important because I feel like this gets in the way for a lot of people. Don't bother trying to make it sound flowery or pretty. No one's going to read it. It's not for public consumption. You're not writing the next great North American novel, so please do not get hung up on how it reads, how it sounds, or how your handwriting looks. The product you're creating on the page isn't the point. It's the act of putting it on the page that is doing something for you. So just have at it. Shit talk about whoever you want, write what you really think and feel, and write as casually as you want. I actually use abbreviations in my journaling quite a lot, like when I do for texting someone. I swear in my journal. I cross out words and rewrite them if I change my mind about a sentence. And I write in cursive because it's quicker for me, but I'm not so sure that it's all that legible all the time but that's fine. Another tip about journaling is if you are unable to write by hand, then by all means you can use a device of some sort like a laptop and just keep a document on your device that has all your entries in it. If you want to take it a step further, you can get an app like Otter, which the link for that is in the show notes, and dictate out loud and it will transcribe for you. I personally like to write by hand because it forces my thoughts to slow down because of course I can only write as fast as my hand moves. So it allows me to pause and reread what I wrote, which is really satisfying because everything I'm reading, I agree with. And then it fuels me to carry on and finish the thought. Whatever you decide, I hope that you will give journaling a try if you haven't already. You really can't lose with this method. You'll realize things about yourself that you hadn't before because you're igniting an inner conversation with yourself. And the trick is to just keep it going, make it a practice. The third method I want to talk about is observing patterns in yourself. This kind of will go hand in hand with journaling, which I'll explain later. But really this tip is just about becoming more self-aware and noticing 
in the moment as things are happening, noticing patterns. So basically observing yourself. Similar to how when you start dating someone new or hanging out with a new friend, if you're not totally self-absorbed, you may watch them as they're talking or doing something and you may notice things about them, little gestures or quirks, or if you're paying attention to what they're saying, you may notice, hmm, they always bring up such and such or they always talk about this all the time. It sounds like that's a big deal for them. Everything you notice about someone else tells you something about their worldview and about the way they think, including yourself. So this tip is really about self-awareness more than anything. You just go about your day in your life and notice your thoughts, notice your behavior. When you become angry at something that's just happened or angry with someone, try to notice like what set it off and then observe if it's a pattern and if so, that could be translated into a characteristic about yourself, which is something that you can then tackle. So for example, let's say you always easily get short-tempered when talking to people who are closest to you, but you're very charming with total strangers. So then this thing that you do becomes a pattern and we could say that that's characteristic of you. So now that we've identified this characteristic, we can interrogate it and that's where journaling can come in. We can take that pattern to our journal and on the page investigate like the why and the how. Why do I always get so easily angry at my parents and siblings and my significant other and take things out on them? But then when I order my coffee at Starbucks, I act like the barista is my best friend. Like where does that come from in me? Why? What does that say about myself? Why do I do that? So for instance, for me, I recently realized that I have a terrible relationship with money. And I only realized that because there's a pattern in my behavior towards money and I finally became aware of it. And this prompted me to question, why am I like this? Where where did that come from? I can't believe it's been like that the whole time and I didn't even notice. How And how can I change and reframe my relationship to money so that it's healthier? But that's something I would not have noticed about myself without self-awareness and pattern-seeking observation. My last method for you is to do something that you fear. And I don't mean walk along a dark, empty road at night trying to hitch a ride. I'm not saying to do dangerous or sketchy things like that, but try something that you're hesitant about because you're scared of rejection or scared of looking like a fool or you lack confidence or you're scared of being judged or whatever it is. Something that you deep down really actually do want to do, but you're scared to do it. And be sure to pick something that is actually doable. Like don't pick something that you're logistically not able to do yet in life or something that's entirely out of your skill set and requires time. Pick something easy that you could technically absolutely do, but you're just scared to do it. And then go and do it. If you're having trouble doing it, which you probably will, just find support. Tell others what you're trying to accomplish and get them to encourage you and hold like a safe space for you to fall back onto. For instance, I had never done an open mic before, whether that's for playing the piano and singing in front of people, which is still on my list of things to do, or reading my creative writing in front of people, like like at a poetry reading or something like that. But earlier this year, I was at a literary festival in my area, and they had an open mic session on one of the festival days. I secretly really wanted to do it, but I was like, no, I'll just go and watch and that's it and that's fine. 
But when I got there, my friend, she was so encouraging. And she said, I want you to read that poem that you read to us in the writer's group the other day. You should do it. Please say you'll do it. And I looked around the room and there was like 30 people there. It was in like a small but comfortable space. Everybody there was super nice. No one looked too scary or mean. And it all just kind of lined up and my intuition was telling me to just do it. My brain was kind of like, I don't know. But ultimately, I, I had to just to not think too much in order to do it. And so I did it and it went really well. I was shaking the whole time in my legs, but I don't think my voice came across that way. And I just read from my laptop. And honestly, for me, it's always the anticipation of those things that's the worst. But when I, once I'm actually doing it, I'm usually okay. So I read a poem and I read an excerpt from a book that I had started a few years ago. And yeah, I didn't die. <laughs> and it went well and everything was fine. And I was really proud that I did it and I felt good after having done it. And it actually makes me want to do it again. So how does doing something you fear help you get to know yourself better? Well, it shows you what your limits are. And often when you do something you fear, you realize that you don't actually have limits. You make limits. You're in charge of moving the limit line out as far as you want i.e. your comfort zone. You can expand your comfort zone by doing the things that you want to do but are scared to do. And this can open up many new things about yourself like a new skill or a new passion or hobby, a new interest, a new clientele or a new audience. So basically it, it helps you evolve and grow. So to wrap up this topic, I want to talk a little bit about some some tips for getting motivation to try all these things. Because you may be thinking, oh, I don't have the time or the money to invest in journals or a tarot reader, or I don't care about myself enough, so like, why should I bother? Well, to that I say, all we really have at the end of the day is ourselves. I mean, sure, yes, we have family, we have friends, we have pets, we have things, and we have money, but really, truly, the only thing that we actually have at the end of the day, without a doubt, without fail, is ourselves. So isn't it worth it to invest in getting to know ourselves then and not just invest money, but investing the time and the energy too? And I'm sure this is a saying that I've heard somewhere and you've probably heard somewhere, but we can serve others by serving ourselves first. And by that, I mean, we can't really bring our best self to the table to help others or like put our best self forward into something if we haven't put ourselves in a position to be our best self yet, if we haven't done the work, if the self-improvement, the changes and such. So by focusing on yourself and putting some energy into this type of work, you're actually doing a favor, not just to yourself, but to everybody around you. It's also important to see this as a journey that you're embarking on, an adventure, a process. You're not moving from point A to B, and point A being current you, and point B being the perfect ultimate version of you, what you're really doing is you're moving from point A to B to C to D, and then back to B, and then forward, E, F, G, like all, I could do the whole alphabet here, but you're moving around, you're moving forward, it's not linear, it's, it's an adventure, it's a process, and really it ain't over till it's over, and by over I mean death, so why not get started now? The final thing I want to say to kind of tie this all back to the previous episode is that it's worth it to get to know yourself better 
for unlocking creativity, which is what this podcast is all about, really. The more you know yourself, the better you can understand how you operate. And then you can optimize that for the most, for bringing about the most authentic results when creating things, including creating your life, creating your relationships, and creating your art. All right, before you go, I do want to mention that in the coming weeks, I already have some guest interviews lined up from people who are all in totally different industries and niches, and they're all going to be talking about very different things, and I cannot wait to share them with you. So please do subscribe to stay up to date on when those are released. Thank you so, so much for taking the time to listen and expand your mind today around all things art, culture, creativity, and self-development. Please do rate and review this episode if you liked it. Follow the podcast, subscribe, share, all the things to help get it seen and out there. I would really appreciate it. If you have any questions or comments or topic ideas for future episodes, or if you want to be a guest on the podcast, please email me at emmakivetna at gmail.com. Otherwise, until we meet again, stay wild, stay creative. Stay creative.